This is Rush to Reason. You are going to shut your damn yapper and listen for a change because I got you pegged, sweetheart. You want to take the easy way out because you're scared. And you're scared because if you try and fail, there's only you to blame. Let me break this down for you. Life is scary. Get used to it. There are no magical fixes. With your host, John Rush. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job first. You haven't made everybody equal. You've made them the same, and there's a big difference. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Are you crazy? Am I? Or am I so sane that you just blew your mind? It's Rush to Reason with your host, John Rush. Presented by High Five Plumbing, where every call ends with a high five. All right, it is Thursday edition, Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us, and right off the bat, Dr. Kelly Victory joining us. Dr. Kelly, uh, I don't know where you're at, but hopefully you're warm, because it's not very warm here in Colorado. <laughs> I am I am actually in Southern California, where it's also not very warm. But when I say not very warm, I mean it's in the mid-40s. So, so I feel for you there in Colorado. We are 21, and it's going to get much colder here as we go through the weekend. Steve House joining us as well. Steve, I don't know where you are, but hopefully it's warmer than 21. Uh, I'm in central Michigan. It's 35, but that temperature is coming our direction for sure. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, let's get started. Uh, some things happened this week. I won't get into the gory details, but it brought up the subject, Dr. Kelly and Steve both. I'll start with you, Dr. Kelly. What's really going on in hospitals? There's folks I know that are there. We've got even, uh, I've, I've had some uh, associate uh, association with some folks where that this has happened. Uh, I know you guys have as well. Is it flu? Is it COVID? Is it RSV? Is it influenza? How do we know? And once we do know, how do those treatments go? Because I feel like, and I believe that there's cases of this happening where the wrong diagnosis is happening and hospitals are doing the wrong thing all in the name of money. Yeah, well, first of all, to be clear, we are in the height of cold and flu season. Correct. This happens every year. We see an increase in respiratory viruses, uh, largely because of the colder temperatures and the fact that people are indoors and in close quarters and people's immune systems are somewhat uh, lessened or suppressed during the cold winter months, uh, in part perhaps because they get less sun exposure and vitamin D levels are down uh, and other things that, that put a little bit of a hit on the immune system. The reality, however, John, is that you won't diagnose what you won't test for. And what I have seen is an absolute refusal to test for anything other than COVID. Uh, I have a very good friend of my own who is quite ill for about 10 to 12 days with what has undoubtedly been influenza, classic signs and symptoms, body aches, muscle aches, fever, cough, lethargy, uh, profound fatigue. These are the symptoms of influenza, not COVID. Yet when he went to the urgent care, he was only tested for COVID, not tested for RSV, not tested for influenza. And in his discharge instructions, he was told, go home, test again for COVID in two days. And if it comes back positive, go see your doctor to get Paxlovid. In other words, completely ignoring all of the myriad other respiratory viruses that it could be, and specifically influenza. And we actually, whether you like Tamiflu or not, we actually have 
a drug for influenza that's been around for decades. So it actually has some safety data behind it, unlike drugs like Paxlovid. So I think what's happening is that we have probably um, a pretty virulent strain of influenza going around. You add that to on top of the fact that people's immune systems have taken a real hit this year because of the the COVID injections that we know suppress the immune response. So I think it's a bad combo of those two. Steve, you want to comment on that? I know you, like me, have personal experience with this as well. Yeah, five minutes ago I left the hospital where my mother is in it for she has COVID and she got COPD as well. A couple of things come up. Number one, when somebody tells you to take Paxlovid when you're eight days into COVID, that is absolutely against all of the recommendations of Paxlovid to begin with. So that's that's one of the things I worry about and what Kelly just said. Mm. Um, secondly, um, you're right. I mean, nobody ever tests for the flu. They test for COVID first. And if you've got COVID, they don't test you for the flu. And if you really have the flu, you know, Tamiflu, there's some other things that actually can help you with flu symptoms that you wouldn't be taking otherwise. And thirdly, of course, the first thing they do when you're a hospitalized patient and, you know, you don't know any better, as they did with my mother, is they give her remdesivir. And um, $3,000 a day, Wow. a day and a half, two days into it, I finally got the answer. Are you giving her remdesivir? Yes, we're giving her remdesivir. Why would you give her remdesivir? Well, because it's protocol. I said, not according to the World Health Organization, who I don't trust all that much, but, you know, the safety data on remdesivir says, A, it's got a lot of really complex, serious problems with side effects in the kidneys, but it also doesn't help anyone. The test showed it doesn't make anybody stay in the hospital less. It doesn't prevent death. Why would you give someone remdesivir? That, to me, is an indication of the U.S. healthcare system either maliciously trying to make continued income off COVID or willfully ignoring the signs and symptoms that have been presented to them in papers and studies and patient safety issues. Okay, so I got to know, what was their answer? You know what? I said, look, I don't want her on remdesivir. You know, the nurse said to me, "I, I don't think she should be on it either, but I can't tell the doctor that. He said, it's the standard protocol for COVID. If you don't want her on it, we'll take her off it. I'm like, he should have been more resistant. I mean, if he believed in remdesivir, why did he just automatically say, okay, no problem? I'm like, well, if it works, why are I wanted him to fight with me about it. I wanted to, you know, yeah. like. Well, and here's Kelly's the thing, though, Steve, that bothers me, and Dr. Kelly, you can chime in on this. How many people don't know to ask that, and yet that patient still ends up with that drug? Absolutely. And here's why they're getting it, Steve, because they've got a bunch of it in the pharmacy. It's a very, very lucrative drug. Mm -hmm. And so if you test positive, and by the way, your mother may not actually be infected with COVID. Those COVID tests, those PCR tests, do you know how reliable those are? You could stick that in a bowl of guacamole and it would come back positive for COVID. Okay. Your mother may not have COVID at all. She may very well have influenza. But because the COVID test came back, they can justify charging her insurance $3,000 a day to give her this failed and dangerous drug. They want to unload it. They've got it in the pharmacy, and they need to get rid of it. It's the hot potato that they need to get rid of before they get stuck with it because it expires, and then they, they can't make any money on it. So they are foisting it on anybody who they can give it to because they get reimbursed a lot of money by the insurance companies. And we, you know, named it very, very early on. We nicknamed it Run Death is Near instead of Remdesivir because it is so toxic to the kidneys. 
it is absolutely a drug I would never give to anybody. And so good for you for standing up and actually getting in there and saying, no, I don't want my mom to get this drug. Okay, that leads into another question that came in. I've got other things to cover, but this really dovetails into something that even Charlie and I were talking about prior to coming on. And this is a question that comes up from time to time, even from listeners. But Charlie and I both want to know why... The disparity in drug prices. In other words, you know, you go with this insurance and it's one price. You go with another insurance, it's another price. You ask the pharmacist, is there any discount? He may send you to a website or an app where that it might, might even be a different a different price. And Steve, maybe you can talk to this insurer on the admin side first. Why that huge disparity in the prices of drugs? Well, I mean, and Kelly was probably the most educational person on this issue I've run into in a long time. Doctors don't realize this often, but with pharmacy benefit managers in play, they negotiate with drug distributors and with health insurance companies, and they're basically a middleman that moves the drug from the manufacturer to the end user through a hospital, through a a traditional pharmacy you would pick up drugs for, like Walgreens or CVS, and it depends on the negotiation. It depends on how much, you know, they're willing to commit to and taking the drug. It depends on how many different suppliers they'll take. So, Prices vary. It's kind of a capitalist mindset. However, because you have captive health insurance and a PBM that has a monopoly on whatever they want to charge, in fact, they can charge you whatever they want, it turns out to be it's not really a capitalist play on drugs. It's really a, you know, oligopoly or, or even, you know, sort of a monopoly. I was just going to say monopoly on it. Yeah, yeah. It, it really varies depending on who they're negotiating with. Got it. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, I was just saying, this is really, and Steve knows this well, pharmacy benefit managers, PBM, are the consummate middleman. They essentially negotiate and they broker whether or not a pharmaceutical company can get their drug on the formulary of a hospital, and they get a kickback for doing it. It's fundamentally racketeering. Hmm. They are back-alley drug dealers who say, look, John, you want to get your antibiotic on the formulary at hospital, you know, ABC or, you know, right. Memorial Hospital, that how much are you willing to pay us? How much of a kickback mm. are you willing to give us to get your drug on the formulary versus Steve's drug on the formulary? And what are you willing to sell it to us for? So they get a take it. They get a piece of the action. They are, quote, middlemen when really they're back alley thugs. If we cut out the middlemen, the pharmacy benefit managers and on the uh, actual durable medical side, the the non-drug side of things, things like gloves and syringes and that kind of stuff, they're called GPOs, um, group purchasing organizations. Okay, so really quick, is that like a, a, what is that, Charlie, again, what's the name? Is that like a good RX, Dr. Kelly? Yes, yes. These are are middlemen. Gotcha. Um, These are are middlemen who negotiate, and there are a handful of them that hold the vast majority of the contracts for large hospital systems. And although we refer to them as middlemen, they are fundamentally back-alley thugs that do the negotiating. They get a kickback and a piece of the action on what hospitals buy, Mm -hmm. and they are very, very much in control of pricing. And if we got rid of them, the, the most significant impact that we could have on the price of healthcare in this country would be to eliminate these middlemen. Because in mm-hmm. any other industry, it would be called racketeering. All right, I got a, a John, go, no, go ahead, John, Steve. Go, go ahead. One other quick thing: PBMs were created by the Safe Harbor Laws in 1986, and they were limited to a three percent upcharge 
for the service, much like a real estate broker gets five or six okay, percent. Sure, sure. Um, however, the United States government has never enforced that law. Uh, and that was one of the things when I was running for Congress that we were committed to was to say, look, I mean, if all the diabetics in the United States sued HHS for not enforcing the, the law, the safe harbor law that created a PBM, there would be trillions of dollars of money that would have to be given back to patients who have overpaid because that 3% um, margin was never enforced and it still isn't enforced today. Because frankly, an oncology drug might cost 10000 The PBM charges 25000 to get the kickback, the re, you know the re, right. rewards they give back to the insurance company. I mean, it's a pathetic scenario. Wow. Wow. And Kelly's right. It's really, really ugly. Great stopping point. Guys, hang tight. We're going to come back. And as a precursor, I had a message that came in from somebody listening in Texas online talking about the uptick in cancer. And I want to get into that in a moment. So, guys, don't go anywhere. Dr. Kelly Victory, Steve House with us. If you've never heard Dr. Kelly before, you can find out all about her by going to our website, RushToReason.com, an entire page dedicated there, all of her background and so on. Steve has a vast background in the medical industry as well and actually is the one that introduced uh, Steve to – or uh, Steve actually introduced Dr. Kelly and I and our program and all of this together. Because Steve and I have done this for a very, very long time, uh, long before even COVID came around. So the, you know, our relationship sort of you know blossomed into what we are today with Dr. Kelly. But if you want to know more about Dr. Kelly, go to the website. Listen to past shows as well. You can send those on to others that you might want to listen to us as well. Please do that. RushToReason.com. Fordham Metris Mortgage is next. Kurt Rogers. Mortgage rates are coming down. Find out how it affects you and uh, your particular situation from Kurt Rogers, 720-895-0500. Got too much debt but a low rate on your mortgage? Worried that rates aren't going to go down fast enough? Need relief now? Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720-895-0500. Before your property tax and homeowner insurance goes up, we can help you lower your monthly payments, pay off your debt, and lower the amount of interest you pay. We have been changing lives in Colorado for over 20 years. Take AIM, 720-895-0500, and let our experience continue to save you money. Home of the original asset manager loan, where you pay less interest and own your home faster, pay off your debt and save six to nine hundred a month, have access to your equity for thirty years. Call seven two zero eight nine five zero five hundred now. We listen and promise to do our best for you. Take AIM, affordable interest mortgage. Seven two zero eight nine five zero five hundred. Over twenty years of low rates, outstanding service, and number one at putting you first. Let us show you how our experience saves you money. 720-895-0500. regulated by DORA, equal credit lender. All right, if you want a doctor that's really on our side talking about the very same things that we are and has experienced a lot of the same things, that's Dr. Scott Faulkner down in Castle Rock. 303-663-6990. Are you looking for a healthcare provider who truly cares about you and your well-being? Look no further than Castle Rock Cryo, IV and Integrative Healthcare, where Dr. Scott Faulkner is ready to provide you with top-notch care. Colorado raised since 1968, Dr. Scott is a board-certified internal medicine specialist, bringing decades of experience and expertise to the table. At Castle Rock Cryo, IV, and Integrative Healthcare, you'll experience a competent, friendly, and efficient staff that puts your comfort and care first. Dr. Scott is a true advocate of the latest advancements in healthcare. That's why he only uses umbilical-derived stem cells, which have been clinically proven to be the most potent stem cells available. 
Tired of waiting weeks for an appointment? Unlike other practices, Dr. Scott has the remarkable ability to see you in a matter of days. Don't wait any longer. Call Castle Rock Cryo IV and Integrative Healthcare at 303-663-6990 to schedule your appointment with Dr. Scott Faulkner today. Level Engineering, find out if solar's a good fit for you, how much you can save. You heard Alan just a moment ago. He's on here between 2.30 and 3 on Thursdays, 303-378-7537. Alan Davis of Level Engineering wants you to have the whole story about saving money with solar. Everyone knows that solar power saves you money, but the most important savings are all those dollars you won't have to pay the power company. For most homes, that will mean paying thousands less for electricity annually. And the average tax credit for installing solar in your home is 56%. That's more money in your pocket. In addition to the money that you will save each month, solar can add $15,000 or more to the value of your home. And homes with solar panels sell faster than those without. Today's solar energy is a great financial decision on your part when you work with Alan Davis. Alan is the solar money-saving expert, so talk to him directly by going to klzradio.com solar for a free, no-obligation consultation. No liberal media bias here. This is Rush to Reason. All right, we are back. Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush. Dr. Kelly Victory with us, Steve House as well. Okay, this question came in. I know we've talked about this in the past, so all of you listening, if this is a uh, regurgitation of, of previous things. I get it, but I always have to remind myself, uh, Dr. Kelly and Steve both, that a lot of folks don't listen every single week. So these are things that we will just more than likely continue down the path of because until we get everybody to where they really understand what's going on, it just it is what it is. So listening online in Texas, saw an article today. Uh, I'm 30. I'm worried about cancer. I'm not vaxxed. Is cancer coming from processed food or what? And what he's referring to, or she, I don't know if this is he or she. I'm sorry, I just get a phone number, so I apologize if I got that wrong to whoever's listening. Uh, This is an article out of the Wall Street Journal. Cancer is striking more young people and doctors are alarmed and baffled. Um, I know, again, we've talked about this before in the past, Dr. Kelly, but this is all yours. Take it. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the epidemiology of cancer is multifaceted. I, there are genetic components, there are environmental components, there are lifestyle components. Uh, it, so there are lots of things that can contribute to your risk of cancer. There is, a, without question, has been a precipitous uptick in cancer incidents since 2020, uh, and specifically since the rollout of the vaccines. And so I think one of the uh, concerns is how much the mRNA shots are contributing to cancers. Right. I had predicted uh, I had predicted that they would have a significant impact on cancer rates. The shots would because they're immunosuppressive. And one of your your truly your first line of defense against cancer is your immune system. All people, everybody has abnormal cells running around, has an abnormal skin cell, an abnormal prostate cell, abnormal, well, you know, breast cell, whatever. And it is the job of your immune system to see that abnormal cell and say, hey, that doesn't look quite right, and just wipe wipe it out. Right. Take it, you just, it'll never become a cancer because it gets wiped out by your immune system. When you suppress your immune system, or you, worse yet, you tell your immune system, don't react to abnormal things that you see. Don't respond to that. Ignore it. And that is exactly what the mRNA shots do. They cause 
an atypical, an abnormal shift in one of the immunoglobulins, IgG4, whose job it is to tell you to ignore certain things. And you need a little bit of that every day or you'd be a sniveling, sneezing, wheezing mess because every piece of dander or, Mm -hmm. you know, cat hair or pollen would would cause you to go, uh, you know, to to start sneezing and coughing and wheezing. So you need a little IgG4. When you get too much of it, then you start ignoring things that you shouldn't ignore, like that abnormal prostate cell or breast cell or whatever it is. So I have had significant concerns about uh, the impact on cancer from these shots. And sure enough, we are seeing, as I said, a precipitous uptick uh, in the in the numbers. So while cancer itself is multifaceted, as I said, there are genetic components and environmental components, including things that may be coming from processed foods or artificial, whatever it is, sweeteners, colorings, preservatives, right. Right. Um, all kinds of things. I think that the mRNA shots are certainly a component. Well, and, and Dr. Kelly and Steve, both Steve, I'll let you, you comment, but if you look at, and you guys know me, I'm a critical thinker, and when you fix vehicles and do things along those lines, you have to look at trends and different things that are going on and what caused this versus what caused that and so on. And when, really, if you think about it, the baseline side of things food-wise, and yes, I know things can change there you know, periodically, but really, let's face it, in the, in the time since the jab started, our baseline as far as how our food works really hasn't changed all that much. The biggest change in our society has been the introduction of these shots. Am I right, Steve? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you know, people look for cause and effect. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, we saw this week the article about the ARP recommending the eight shots, right? Eight shots in three years. This mRNA stuff, Kelly's talking about immune suppression. I mean, why wouldn't we see a lot more cancer if people are getting that many shots? Right. Uh, Why would you take that many shots? I mean, I, I don't know any other vaccine in the world where in three years you have to have eight shots to be able to say that you may be making it less impactful when you get the virus and you may be, maybe, although I don't think there's any proof that it may stop you from dying as often. So, you know, that in and of itself is just an insane thing. But the cancer thing, everywhere I go, I've been in three hospitals this week and everybody is talking about not having enough chemotherapy drugs, not having time on the schedule because the cancer patients are overwhelming them across the country. It's without question going on. And I mean, look, John, abnormal cells running around your body is the reason why we like each other. We both have a lot of them, and that's just the way it works. As long as we don't take the vaccine, our immune system won't have the... I got this question just came in, Dr. Kelly. It says, can you ask Dr. Kelly what she knows about chlorine dioxide healing cancer and other diseases? I can't say anything authoritative about it. I've heard it come up, but uh, yeah, that's not something that I am uh, equipped to talk about, unfortunately. There are lots of good news is, I guess, is that there are quite a few um, things that are being considered for treating cancer other than what I would call classic chemotherapy drugs. Um, You know, the problem with chemotherapy is that it is toxic to cancer cells, but it's also toxic to healthy cells. Correct. Uh, which is why, for example, your hair falls out right. or it's different because it, it, the, you know, the typical chemotherapy agent will attack rapidly growing cells and cancer cells are rapidly growing. But so are hair cells and oh, skin cells yeah. and nail cells and lots of other things are rapidly growing. Uh, you know, the cells in your colon and uh, other things. So chemotherapy is kind of a shotgun approach. 
uh, that that impacts people very negatively in addition to possibly halting or slowing down their cancer. So there are lots of things, chlorine dioxide being one. Uh, Ivermectin is showing unbelievably great promise. And this isn't recent. This has been for decades that they've been using veterinarians have been using ivermectin to treat cancer in animals, specifically breast cancer in dogs, for decades. And we're seeing great, great success in treating breast cancer in humans with it. Same thing with fenbendazole, another antiparasitic drug that seems to have great impact on cancer. We're seeing people using lots of other drugs. Vitamin D uh, appears to have a profoundly positive impact on not only treating cancer, but preventing cancer. Uh, And I've said for a long time that one of the reasons, for example, that African-Americans have higher incidences of certain cancers is not, I believe, is not because of uh, disparity in the healthcare system or some sort of underlying systemic racism. It's because African Americans, like Hispanics, have higher, much higher incidence of vitamin D deficiency mm. because of the color of their skin. Okay. Their dark skin does not allow them to absorb sunlight the way it does for white-skinned people or light-skinned people. And therefore, their vitamin D deficiency puts them at risk for lots of cancers. So lots of positive things on the cancer uh, horizon. Uh, Tragically, we're going to need them because, uh, as I said, and Steve said, of these really worrisome increases in cancer rates across the board following Mm -hmm. the vaccine. Makes sense. Steve, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, no, no, no follow up. Go ahead. Kelly, Kelly, I think a lot of people have the same question I'm about to ask you, which is, for example, remdesivir is an antiviral, but so is ivermectin and so is, you know, ibuprofen and other things. How do you know? I mean, how does a doctor know which antiviral to use? I mean, if remdesivir has got side effects and craziness and then you say to your doctor, I want to use ivermectin and they say, no, that's not on my protocol. How do you know which antiviral to use in a given situation? Well, it's a good question. We, you know, ivermectin, the great thing about a drug like ivermectin, Steve, is that it has very, very broad antiviral properties compared to, for example, something like Tamiflu, which is very targeted towards influenza. Ivermectin has very broad antiviral impacts. And on top of it, it's been around for decades and decades. It's been FDA approved for use in humans since the early 1980s. It has an incredibly safe, you know, good safety profile. And you compare that, why would you want to use a brand new drug like remdesivir that has a lot of bad side effects and hasn't been around for very long at all, failed previously at treating Ebola, by the way, hmm. so it failed for that, has failed treating other viruses. So in other words, you know, remdesivir is a drug that's looking for a virus. It's, got a, it's a drug that's looking for a cause, please, because we have all of this drug and we've got to find someplace to use it up. Where you have something like ivermectin that's dirt cheap, very, very safe, taken by hundreds of millions of people around the globe every year. Um, so I think, you know, I would, you know, sooner go with the broad spectrum antiviral that's dirt cheap, you know, readily available, right. well tolerated, great safety profile, and leave the brand new drugs, you know, leave those for some, uh, some years to do the, the testing that should have been done before it got launched on the public. You know, let's dovetail into something a listener sent me right after we talked last week, Dr. Kelly, and that is there's some, I'm sure you guys, I forgot to send this to you both, I, I apologize, but there's some 
talk out there's some articles even and I don't know whether to believe these or not talking about how many people died from hydroxychloroquine around the world. I don't know where those numbers are coming from. I don't know if they're true. You're laughing because I was as well, but that came in from a listener right at the tail end after we were done last week. What are your thoughts there, Dr. Kelly? Uh, Hydroxychloroquine is one of the safest drugs on the market. It's so safe that we actually give it to pregnant women. Okay. 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 We don't give... Yeah, I understand that one. Yes. ...pregnant women. Okay. Yes. It is... So it has been taken by hundreds of millions of people. It's been FDA approved for use in humans since 1942. Okay? okay. Do the math on that. 1942 is what it, it, it is dirt cheap, is readily available. It's taken by people for years. People who have lupus take it for years and years. People who have, uh, you know, malaria take it. it. It is a drug that people take for years daily without any ill effects. The idea that you would, people, quote, died from it because they took it for five days for ivermectin, uh, I absolutely reject that. I, I simply, I reject it out of hand, uh, and I defy anybody to show credible evidence that that happened. I kind of figured that when I was reading through the article, because the key word, by the way, in the headline of this article and how they started was, may have cost. And I thought, yeah, uh-huh, May, you're just looking yeah, for a right. sensational headline is all you're looking for. Steve, go ahead, add your two cents. You know, I, I take it every year when I go to Africa as a, a preventative from malaria. And it does have one side effect. Not everybody affects gets this, but sometimes you have wild and crazy dreams. But mm. generally when that happens to me when I'm there, I try to go back to sleep and finish it up because the <laughs> dreams are so crazy good. <laughs> um, but that's the only side effect I've ever seen. And frankly, both ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are widely taken in Africa with people who are undernourished, who have all the potential mm. to have side effects right. and problems with right. drugs, and they just don't. They view them as wonder drugs, and it's mm. crazy that anyone think they would think they're bad because they're not. All right, moving right along. There's somebody else also sent me an article, which, um, again, I'm not surprised at some of these things, guys. Uh, this one is headline. COVID kills nearly 10,000 a month as holidays fuel spread, the WHO said. This came out 10 hours ago in the Washington Post. Almost 10,000 coronavirus deaths were reported in December and admissions to hospitals and intensive care units surged. Blah, 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 blah. Dr. Kelly, I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, never happened. Uh, I can tell you, you may say that there are people who died in the ICU who had a positive COVID test. Um, as I said, because the COVID tests are so right. flawed. Right. So you get admitted to the ICU with a heart attack, a stroke, a diabetic crisis, end-stage renal failure, a gunshot wound to the chest. I don't care. And somebody shoves a Q-tip up your nose and says it's co- positive for COVID. You get coded, at, you know, you get written down as a COVID admission and a COVID death. It is absolutely disingenuous. I've said from the very beginning, the virus is real. The statistics are not because yep. they have lied. Yep. And I can tell you, even the state of good old state of uh, Colorado early on had to go back and revise their numbers yep. because of the number of patients who it had claimed had died of COVID where it was flagrantly you know, dishonest. These were people who would come in with literally gunshot wounds, victims of car accidents, multi-trauma patients who had an incidental positive COVID test, didn't even have a symptom of COVID, but the test got so much money. Part of the CARES Act is that every admission for COVID makes an additional somewhere in between twelve and $14,000, and a death from COVID 
earns the hospital close to 50000 additional mm. dollars mm. because of the CARES Act. Mm. Unbelievable. Okay, this question came in, which... By the way, those, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Those, go ahead. Those, t- those tests they were using are the ones that get positive even in guacamole, so let's not forget that. Right? Yeah, good point. Right, Just that they exactly. were tested and had it. it. We don't even know if they really had it in a lot of those cases. All right, so yeah, this... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. exactly right. This would be a funny question, and, uh, and I know you're both going to chuckle at this, but... I, Question, listeners asking this seriously. If Dr. Kelly or Steve could ask Dr. Fauci any question, what would it be, and do you think he would answer it truthfully? <laughs> I would ask Dr. Fauci the same questions I would ask everybody at the helm of this. Is, what did you know? Yep. When did you know it? And what did you do about it? Um, with Fauci, we pretty much know those answers, but I would... Truly, he knows darn well. Yep. Um, and, and frankly, I would love to know, but he would, I wouldn't ask him because he would never answer us, how much money has he personally uh, made yeah. out of this debacle? Because I can guarantee you it's in the millions and millions of dollars yep. that he personally yep. put in his bank account yep. as a result of this. I, I would add to that too, Dr. Kelly. Steve, I'll let you chime in. Uh, along with this, because I also want to know what was the end goal with all of this? Because I still feel like a lot of this was uh, released, planned. I mean, people may argue with me on that. I don't think a lot of this was by accident. So, Steve, the question I would ask is, you know, not only everything that Dr. Kelly said, but also what's the end goal with all of this? What are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't answer that question nope. specifically. But I might, you know what? I'd ask another question. I think I'd ask the question you and Kelly both said, but I'd also ask... Why does the NIH today have such a concern that Paxlovid is only used in 30% of the cases? Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're upset that Paxlovid is only being used that amount of time. They're talking about how wonderful the drug is and preventing people from hospitalization. And, you know, Kelly's original nickname for it was Paxlovid right. um, because you wanted to yeah. avoid the drug. And right. I think the answer to that drug goes back to the money question as well. It's not only the millions he's made, but I'm sure his name's on enough patents that he's getting royalties every time these drugs are sold. And those royalties, by the way, will carry through every generation of his family as long as the drug continues to be used. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's, it's a multi-generational wealth scheme for him. Yep, I agree. I'd probably also ask him, when you did gain a function, were you, were you always planning on creating a bioweapon, or was there any mm. period of time where there was some legitimate reason mm to do gain of function on a coronavirus. See, that's why you're so much smarter than me. You can rephrase my question much better. <laughs> and by the way, not only the coronavirus thing, but you know, in reality, did he ignore the fact in the vaccine structure that people have been trying to make a coronavirus vaccine since the 1960s? It would never work because it mutates too fast. And they've also been trying to use mRNA for a long time, and it causes the same problems we're seeing now with myocarditis and other heart problems, you know, I mean, I would ask him, you know, why did you ignore those facts? Was the money so important that you were willing to kill people in the process? Mm, yeah. Yep. Nope. You are, you are spot on. I can't argue that. Um, all right. Another question, Steve, you sent some, and this comes from Alec Brents and I read a lot of the same things, get, you get a lot of his emails and so on. AARP, you sent this around to Dr. Kelly and I both. Yep. Just told it's 38 million members to get an eighth, yes, eighth shot when it comes to the mRNA treatment. Uh, I, Steve, how can they consciously do this and, and say this is the right approach for their members? 
Uh, one of two things is at play here. Number one, they may be getting subsidized or advertising dollars from Pfizer and Moderna in their publications. The second thing about this is I legitimately believe, John, from talking to people across the country, that there are people who believe that the vaccines, while they don't prevent transmission and they don't prevent you from getting it, they believe that it makes coronavirus easier for them than if they got it without the vaccine. They walk around believing that. And I don't think there's anything you're going to do to change their mind. So Moderna and Pfizer want elderly people who are afraid, elderly people who believe it reduces the impact of coronavirus, and through their advertising and all of those Mm -hmm. things, AARP just passes along the information and takes the money. I I don't know that I can argue with that. Dr. Kelly, your thoughts? No, I guarantee AARP is subsidized by the pharmaceutical companies, just like all of the mainstream media Mm -hmm. has been. Uh, you know, you all you have to do is watch a news segment, and Dan says, you know, brought this segment brought to you by Pfizer. Uh, so they are going to be the talking heads that parrot whatever the pharmaceutical companies pay them for. Yep. Roger Ailes, the former head of Fox News, even said he was very interested in eliminating pharmaceutical advertising from Fox News, but he couldn't do it because they paid seventy. Seven zero wow. percent of the wow. advertising dollars on Fox comes from pharmaceutical advertising, so they aren't going to eliminate it. Uh, and the idea that they, you know we know that not only do these shots not prevent you from getting COVID, they increase your risk of getting COVID. That's been well borne out by multiple studies, including a huge yep. study from the Cleveland Clinic. Yep more than 50,000 patients, and you look around in your own circles. Do you know anybody who is unvaccinated, like the three of us, who has gotten COVID multiple times? No. Because I don't. No. But I'll tell you right now, I got friends who are multiply vaccinated, and they get sick, and they get sick, and they get sick. They've been sick for three straight years. Yeah, you know what, you know what, Dr. Kelly, I'm glad. No, I'm glad you just said that because you know, wife and I both, we've been watching that exact same thing. And every time we see somebody, and I know I don't know everybody intrinsically, but every time I see somebody that's ill, I just keep thinking to myself, did you get the jab? I almost want to ask, did you have that jab? I mean, I don't want to be rude, but I really almost want to start running my own statistics, Steve, on this to find out exactly, you know, what's going on because my gut feeling is a lot of people that are just constant, especially this time of year. And I know cold, flu season. Dr. Kelly talked about that a moment ago. Talk about that on Health and Wellness Wednesdays a lot. And there's things you can do to actually prevent a lot of these things. But I will say this, and maybe, you know, Steve, comment. And I'm going to ask Dr. Kelly something along those lines. But in regards to this, Steve, I don't have the data, but it's got to be high. Oh, I'm sure it is high, John. I mean, I mean, look, the whole system has corruption-based incentive built into it. Right. I mean, not only the numbers Kelly quoted about, you know, a COVID patient in the hospital, I mean, if they have COVID, you automatically get an uptick in payment. If they die, then you get a, a bigger uptick. I also believe that doctors who are employed by hospitals, who are um, shareholders, meaning people who get profit sharing or bonuses at the end of the year based on hospital revenue and hospital finances, I mean, look, you know, they know what the formularies are. They know where the money is coming from. You know, it's not that they, I mean, I think there's some doctors, certainly, I have lots of great friends who are doctors, including Kelly Victory, that are really good at being doctors and scientists in the process. But there are others that just either don't investigate or follow along because it seems to be in their best interest. Yep. Whether that's best interest of the patient or not, that's very questionable in a lot of cases. And right now, I think there's a lower overall approval rating of physicians and healthcare 
in general than probably we've ever had, even though I haven't specifically measured it. Dr. Kelly, this question comes in a lot, so I might as well just dovetail into this. There's folks out there listening that most likely uh, either have gotten one shot, maybe multiples, or they've got family members that have. And as we just mentioned, and I don't think we're off in what we're saying, where that actually, that jab actually makes you more susceptible to some of the, the cold and flu and some of the stuff that's going on right now that we're involved in this time of the year. What can those individuals do to stay more healthy? Well, the only thing you can do, really, is to focus on everything that enhances your immune system, which means the things we've talked about many, many times in the past. It starts with the basics. It starts with adequate sleep, regular exercise, good nutrition, stress mitigation, those sorts of things. It also includes supplementing vitamin D and zinc and quercetin, doing those sorts of things. Uh, we know that, that daily mouth, use of mouthwash with uh with uh, paradexamine, the, uh, the, which is the active uh, ingredient in Colgate, for example, just mouthwash, gargling, those sorts of things decrease the viral load in your upper airway, um, those sorts of things. But so there's no sort of magic pill. I wouldn't recommend that vaccinated people do anything necessarily differently from unvaccinated people. The idea is if you've taken the vaccine, you know, you can't unvaccinate right. yourself. Right, yep, that's right. Yeah, and, and, and you know, would... Dr. Kelly, real quick, I'm glad you said that. I want to stop for just a moment and really make sure that there's a lot of folks out there. And, yes, there's a lot of tinfoil hats and things like that, and there's a lot of different junk, I call it, out on the Internet. And, Dr. Kelly, I'm sure as soon as something comes up to where that is reversible, you'll be the first to let us know. But right now, there isn't. Exactly. Now, there are people like Dr. Peter McCullough and the wellness company that are working on formulations of very safe uh, sort of supplements, if you will, natokinase being one, bromelain, um, those sorts of things that are they're very helpful uh, in perhaps mitigating the impact of the spike protein, because fundamentally, people who got vaccinated, you are cranking out these toxic spike proteins. Uh, your body, unfortunately, has been given the roadmap or the instruction manual to make these spike proteins, and we don't know if there's an off switch. We don't know how to stop you from doing it, but there are some things that seem to be helpful uh, and so Dr. McCullough and his group at the wellness company have been working on some of that. I recommend that people don't uh, sort of perseverate about the fact that they got vaccinated or worry continuously. I think you are better off saying, okay, I did what I did. I got vaccinated or vaccinated and boosted or wherever it is you did. Stop now and focus on the things we always should be focusing on, which is overall good health. It won't only decrease your risk of getting COVID and the flu, but it'll decrease your risk of getting cancer, decrease your risk of getting an ulcer. It'll decrease your risk of a lot of bad things. Right. It will improve your life and your, you know, your quality of life, which is fundamentally what we are all after. Exactly. No, I'm no, glad John, you... No, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Add to that. Go ahead. I, I mean, I, I think every once in a while on the show and otherwise, we need to remind ourselves of all the things that we were told that the vaccine would do that are actually untrue and lies. And I'm not going to give you the whole list, but think about this. Yeah, good we were just told one thing, right? I mean, it was supposed to prevent transmission. It was supposed to prevent you from getting it. It was mm -hmm. supposed to stay in your arm and not go into your organs or your brain. It was supposed to have a spike protein that stopped being produced after a week. When you look at all of the things that were wrong with this vaccine and all the things that they lied about, it is hard to comprehend 
how it ever got into anyone's arm. I mean, it's not like there was one lie. There's about a dozen really big ones associated with this. What the hell were they thinking, and what did they really want to have happen? Because it sure wasn't to make the American population or the world population healthier. No, and more and more. There's an article that a, te- that a texter sent me just, to, you know, just a, shortly, a short time before the show, I should say, mRNA shots for COVID bypass laws and regulations protecting Americans. I mean, I know that sounds redundant because, Dr. Kelly, you know, we talk about that a ton, but to Steve's point, how did we ever get here in the first place other than just flat-out criminal behavior? Well, it was flat-out criminal behavior combined with, unfortunately, people getting caught up in the fog of war and people being Hmm. overwhelmed with fear. Individuals are fundamentally responsible for the decisions they make, despite what somebody's telling you. At some point, common sense has been AWOL. I would not buy a car or a baby seat or a bicycle that somebody said, this has not been tested, and there's no liability from the manufacturer. Right. Okay? So if this doesn't work or it kills your baby because the car seat, you know, falls apart or, you know, ejects from the car or something, there's nobody to call and there's no liability, I wouldn't purchase that. Okay? I am very discerning, and I'd like to think that people have some modicum of common sense. Stop listening to every bit of hype that comes along. Okay, and say, would you take any other drug or do anything else? Would you take would you buy a can of soup off the shelf at the grocery store? If when you turn to the ingredients, it said unlisted, call the manufacturer to find out what's in this. Mm-hmm. No, you'd put it back in the shelf and say, oh, yuck. Right. I'm not going to eat that. Right. Like, they won't even tell me what's in it. OK, so the common sense component is. So, yes, the mainstream media, the people at the helm of this, the government, the pharmaceutical companies, they're all corrupt, they were all yep. complicit, and they all are liable. But at some point, we all also have to take control of ourselves and our families and what we are doing and what we are willing to believe. And when somebody tells you to eat or drink or inject something and they won't even tell you what the heck is in it, and that, but they're happy to tell you that they've got no liability, run away. Good point. Good point. All right, we got about five minutes well, left here. I'm going to throw this out to you, both of you really quick because I know this will be one that we'll spend, you know, probably all that time, may even have to come back next week a little more and, and, and you know, continue on. Uh, what are both of your thoughts? I'll start with you, Dr. Kelly, and the WHO possibly being given authority over medical, uh, you know, medical things worldwide. Now, I've got my own thoughts on that. I think there's some conspiracy things along these lines, but you know what I'm talking about and some of the things that are trying to get passed. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I have grave concerns about it. The World Health Organization, to be very clear, is the long arm of the Chinese Communist Party. They have absolutely zero interest in health or public health. They have interest in control and in, you know, sort of forwarding the policies and the control and power of the Chinese uh, government. That's what they do. Uh, We should be out of the WHO. Uh, I'm not interested in following anything, frankly, that they have to say. That said, the Biden administration is in bed with them and and is very close to signing on with this new what they are calling treaty or amendments to the previous, uh, you know, the, the previous agreements with regard to giving the WHO total control, sovereignty and control over our constitution in the time of a national or international health crisis. But that's very loosely defined. 
the WHO can determine that something is a crisis. They may say climate's a crisis, and therefore we are determining you can't drive your gas car. They may say gun violence is a crisis, and therefore we demand that you turn over your firearms. They may say that this is a crisis and you are mandated to take this vaccine. Correct. I mean, I'm just coming up with some No, you're right. You're you right. say we are going to abdicate control, we are going to give over our sovereignty and our control over our own constitution to the World Health Organization if there is a, quote, health crisis, well, we God help us because yep. they can determine anything they want as a health crisis. Steve, you watch a lot of that very closely because you're sort of in that end of things. Is that something that's progressing? Do we have something to worry about? Is it just a lot of chatter? What are your thoughts? Well, I certainly think that the current administration is going to go in that direction. They're going. If the, if the administration turns over and, for example, President Trump becomes president again, I don't think that it will continue. But, you know, as Kelly said, there's, there's all these problems. But right now, for example, the WHO says they did a study, a serious study, and they don't believe anyone should use remdesivir. So we're sitting here saying we want to give them control, but our own health system isn't taking the WHO's advice. Good point. So are we going to actually let them drive public health in this country, but yet disclaim the right or responsibility to follow their guidelines? Good point. I mean, there's times when I think the WHO is crazy, but when they say something rational and then we don't accept it, because there's too much money to be made by ignoring it, that doesn't make any sense at all. All right, that's it, guys. i got to run. Thank you, Steve House. Appreciate you, man. Have a great evening. Stay warm. You too, guys. All right, man. Appreciate it. Dr. Kelly Victory as well. Thank you very much, as always. And you stay warm as well. Thank you. Always happy to be with you guys. Appreciate you very much, Dr. Kelly. Have a great rest of your day. Up next, High Five Plumbing. Make sure you're dialed in with this cold weather that's coming in, and High Five can help you with that. 877-WE-HIGH-FIVE. High Five Plumbing takes water quality seriously and has what it takes to bring clean, safe, and high-quality water to your home. Bad water in your home affects more than just taste. Those costly hair and skin products go right down the drain if you have hard water, pollutants, or chemical imbalances. Water quality experts may make your water taste good, but because they're only treating the symptoms of your water instead of the cause, you'll continue paying them every month for the taste of your water. High Fives plumbers can hunt down root issues, so treating your water with chemicals isn't always necessary. Clean water means your clothes will be brighter, your hair will be softer, and you'll stop cleaning stubborn water spots off mirrors and dishes. To find out all the ways that clean water can make you safer and healthier, just contact High Five Plumbing at klzradio.com slash plumbing. Clog my toilet one too many times. I'll call High Five for this. Call High Five for this. Our financial advisor, Golden Eagle Financial, 303-744-1128. wouldn't plan a family vacation at the last minute. And Al Smith of Golden Eagle Financial wants to make sure you don't plan your retirement last minute either. There are hundreds of systems and apps that promise to make you big returns fast, but those miss all of the contingencies and unknowns in your post-work world. Al considers things like long-term care, family needs, giving to charity, and everything else you care about. He gets to know you and customizes your plan to your wants and needs. If you want to travel, donate, volunteer, or even build a sailboat, whatever your specific desires are, 
you need someone experienced to lead you around potential pitfalls and traps. Don't take your future into your own hands. Trust someone to guide you through it so you don't just retire. You retire on your terms. Just go to klzradio.com money to start strategizing today. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Golden Eagle Financial Limited are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Make sure you're ready for the cold weather coming in. Cub Creek Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at klzradio.com. Ream Pro Partners Cub Creek Heating and AC are serious about keeping you safe from poisons like carbon monoxide. Your furnace creates carbon monoxide and over the years can develop leaks and cracks that put your family in danger. The worst part? You probably won't know because carbon monoxide is colorless, odorless, and undetectable without special detectors that Cub Creek will give you for free. Carbon monoxide poisoning can cause nervous system issues, chronic illness, and even death. That's why Cub Creek is giving you a free carbon monoxide detector just for having them over to service your furnace. You might already have detectors on your smoke alarms, but those are on the ceiling, and carbon monoxide gas is heavier than air, so typically it doesn't go anywhere near your ceiling. Cub Creek has openings available now, so go to klzradio.com HVAC to schedule and get your free detector today. Bedroom windows and doors and some great savings, by the way. Give them a call today. Find them at klzradio.com. Veteran Windows and Doors simplifies and streamlines your new window installation. They will alleviate the scheduling issues of a multi-window installation by completing the entire process for you typically within two days. And Veteran Windows and Doors follow stricter installation guidelines than what is required in the industry because that is their business model. To do right by you, the customer, Veteran makes sure every window is properly flashed, insulated, and sealed so you can be 100% confident in a job done right every time. Veteran's crew consists of vetted, trusted, and insured technicians so you know you will always be in good hands. They also offer a five-year installation guarantee. This month, they will take 40% off both product and installation when you buy eight or more windows. Start saving today by going to klzradio.com window. That's klzradio.com window. Now, back to Rush to Reason, presented by High Five Plumbing where every call ends with a high five. And once again, thank you, Dr. Kelly Victory, Steve House. And for those of you that maybe have never heard that hour before, we do this each and every Thursday from 3 to 4 o'clock. And we've got tons of shows. Been doing this for almost three years now. And you can go to RushToReason.com and, again, find everything about Dr. Kelly Victory there. Need to put a page up for Steve, by the way, at some point. So, uh, Producer Ann, if you're listening, maybe we should do that at some point because he's very much a part of all of this. And then last but not least, if you want to send... Any of those episodes on to someone else. There's always great information. I've never done an hour with them where there's not something you can glean from it. If you want to send that on to somebody else, there's a link button there where you can definitely do that and have somebody else in your family, friends, work, whatever, listen to that hour as well. So very indebted to them. Appreciate them ever so much. We'll be back, though. Hour number two is next. Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560.